Live from the WLI WFM studio in Southampton, New York on Thursday, November 2nd, 2023. I'm Gianna Volpe. Early voting is underway in New York State and registered Suffolk voters can vote at any one of the 27 polling places throughout the county through November 5th. Election Day is next uh, Tuesday, November 7th. Polls at all Suffolk locations will be open today and tomorrow, November 2nd and 3rd, from noon to 8 p.m. And this Saturday and Sunday, November 4th and 5th, from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Polls will not be open on Monday. This year, there are six locations on the East End, some of which have changed from previous years. The voting site in South Old Town is now the town's Recreation Center at 970 Peconic Lane in Peconic. It had previously been in Mattituck. Riverhead site is now the American Legion Post 273-89 Hubbard Avenue in Riverhead. It had previously been at the Senior Center in Aquabog. Additional site has been added at St. Mark's Episcopal Church at 40 Main Street in West Hampton Beach. Stony Brook University Southampton Campus Student Activity Center at 39 Tuckahoe Road in Southampton will continue to be an early voting site along with Windmill uh, Village, 219 Akabonic Road in East Hampton. Early voting on Shelter Island will be at the uh, Shelter Island Youth Recreation Center at 1 Bateman Road on Election Day, November 7th. Voters can only vote at their regular hometown polling site from 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. You can look up your polling site and make sure you're registered to vote at Vote. 411.org. If you're unable to vote in person, you can still request a ballot uh, at the Suffolk County Board of Elections. That's 700 Yap Hank Avenue through November 6th. In other news, workers' compensation assessment rates for employers will be lowered next year, resulting in more than $50 million in potential savings for New York employers, the state announced yesterday. Victor Ocasio reporting on Newsday.com that the rate decreases for 2024 uh, to 9.2% from 9.8, would reduce the current assessment costs for all employers in the state, but would be most impactful for its more than 400,000 small business owners statewide, Governor Kathy Hochul announced in a news release from the state's Workers' Compensation Board assessment rates uh, set the fees paid by employers to cover the cost of administering the workers' comp insurance program. A total of 750,000 employers statewide are required to carry workers' comp coverage. The savings uh, work out to an average of roughly $70 per employee. The lower assessment rate, effective the first of the year, is expected to save employers in the state approximately $53 million. Looking at housing, Long Island's uh, real estate industry began grappling yesterday with the implications of a groundbreaking jury verdict in Missouri this week that found the National Association of Realtors, Keller Williams Realty and Home Services of America conspired to inflate brokers' commissions paid by home sellers. Jonathan LaMancha reporting on Newsday.com that an eight-person jury in U.S. District Court in Kansas City issued the verdict on Tuesday and awarded plaintiffs in the case a group of about 260,000 home sellers in Missouri, Kansas, and Illinois monetary damages of, of about $1.78 billion dollars. Federal judge overseeing the case could triple those damages under U.S. antitrust laws. In addition, the plaintiff's attorneys in the case filed a separate 
antitrust lawsuit on Tuesday in U.S. District Court in Kansas City against the NAR plus Compass, Douglas Element, EXP World Holdings, Howard Hanna Real Estate Services, Redfin, United Real Estate, and Weikert Realtors, which each have real estate agents on Long Island. The jury verdict found there was a conspiracy among the defendants that had the purpose or effect of raising, inflating, or stabilizing broker commission rates paid by home sellers. The Sherman Antitrust Act prohibits anyone from using their market power in conspiracies to unreasonably restrain trade. That uh, from Ronald J. Colombo, professor of law and, uh, law and associate dean at Hofstra's Maurice A. Dean School of Law. While the federal case is in a different jurisdiction than Long Island, the verdict raises questions for local agents. He said, quote, that's the question on Long Island. Is the industry norm that strong that this case could go forward here? And finally, policymakers and politicians convened last week at the latest express sessions forum on the traffic crisis in Southampton. Tom Gagola reporting on 27East.com that various solutions to the crisis were raised by the panelists and audience members, which included roundabouts, more cone programs, more blinking light programs, additional lanes, on County Road 39, more trains and buses, switchable zipper lanes during the morning and evening traffic crunch, a toll program at Shinnecock Inlet, secure lots for trade parade workers who could leave their work vehicles here and maybe use public transportation, uh, transportation more bike lanes, new shoulders along County Road 39, greater enforcement of no-turn warnings along that route, and more. Suffolk County Executive Steve Ballone told attendees that an August 31 announcement from the county that it would solicit bids for a traffic study along the most notoriously nightmarish stretch of County Road 39. Very accurate description, Mr. Mackey. was coming right along. The request for proposals went out on September 14th, he said, and the county received four bids from transportation and engineering firms that are currently under review. He couldn't provide any details about what they may be proposing, but uh, reiterated what he'd said back in August, which is that the growing traffic problem in Southampton represents a threat to the prosperity of the region. Ballone, whose 12-year term as Suffolk County Executive concludes at the end of the year, said the four bids would go before a review panel on the 3rd of November, uh, quote, and then we'll have a selection shortly after that, end quote. While it awaits the recommendations from the county's study, the traffic crisis continues to be a huge challenge. Uh, our police chief here in the village, Sue Herto, told the Express Sessions audience uh, she didn't have the resources for continuous and effective traffic enforcement in the village, fielding a dedicated traffic enforcement unit compa- uh, composed of three officers. Reading the weather in Huntington in honor of Courtney Leonard, whose first solo museum exhibition has been up at the Heckscher Museum since uh, June 10th. It is closing on the 10th of November. So the last few days for you to check out Courtney's work, which explores intersections of indigenous cultural viability, ecology, and history. Looking like a sunny Thursday in Huntington with a high near 49 degrees west wind around 6 miles per hour. Tonight, patchy frost after 2 a.m., otherwise clear tonight with a low around six, uh, 36 degrees. So pretty darn cold. So southwest wind around 6 miles per hour. Right now it's 34 degrees. I've got the Rose Edition prepared for you all uh, leading up to our conversation 
with our friends at Hampton Theatre Company. Uh, Rose and Walsh will have its final showings this weekend. Let's see where we're starting. We've got Common Holly, Jamie Liddell, Isla Schaefer, and the Fruit Bats. Let us know any Rose songs you love at 631-591-7006 for a future all-music Rose edition of The Heart. Getting things started with Jeff Crosby and the Refugees. It's this Rose from the All-Nighter record of 2014 on Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM. These nights don't look as good in the morning Like a storm without a warning Come rain down on me These days don't come and go like they used to Leave me question what we're going through Hope hanging by a string And it's alright, she says Close your eyes and find the memory Of when we couldn't stand for nothing too young to really know these ways have got me asking for forgiveness for a love that I can live with instead of rambling with my vices as it all comes down to me and you putting all the lies down for the These lies Like a man hiding in the shadows Trying to pick and choose my battles With a bruised and broken heart These times Call for love and new believers A different kind of American dreamer Tired of being told who we are It's alright, she says To find comfort in the memory Of the way that it all used to be while still looking around the bend of these ways They have damaged where we're going Those who still refuse to notice That the times they are a-changing As it all boils down to me and you Putting all the lies down for the truth as it all boils down to me and you Putting all the lies down for the truth This road leaves me anxious, leaves me wondering Like the ones who came before me Never sure of where it's going This road Like a symbol of our history All the blood and all the beauty 
every breath and every heartbeat. I let it all boil down to the truth, putting all the lies down for the truth as it all comes down to me and you, putting all the lies down.
Common Holly after Jeff Crosby and the Refugee is now Jamie Liddell. It's the Rose edition of The Heart. A practice run for an all-music edition of the Morning Midnight Show here on WLIWFM. I'm Gianna Volpe, the host of the Heart Morning and Midnight Show here on Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLI-WFM, getting ready for Courtney Leonard joining us for the Thoughtful Thursday segment. Um, I had words that I wanted to say. Oh, I wanted to introduce the next track. This is from 2020. It's Isla Schaefer. It's Rose from the Silent Voices record. I think this song is so pretty. Uh, We'll have Courtney on with us in just a few minutes. Stay with us here on Long Island's only local NPR radio station, 88.3, throughout eastern Long Island and coastal Connecticut, 96.9 in central and western Suffolk County, streaming online wherever you may be, even if you fly off somewhere other than... uh, the East End, Coastal Connecticut, this winter. You can still keep us right here with you. Streaming at WLIW.org slash radio. I 
Courtney will be with us in a little bit. She has the old number. Sometimes that happens with the best of uh, coordinators because they save the number. And so they didn't ask for the number because they're like, oh, I already know it. But we've switched systems. It's all right. We've got a half hour, a little less, before the NPR news break at the top of the hour. Very excited to have Courtney on with us. Um... Will Lawrence, who's been here on the show, um, a member or former member, I don't know if he still is, in the Fleece Brothers, um, but a fantastic solo artist as well in his own right. So we'll play one from his record from last year through the Hollow Hills, Rose Moon. We've got Benny Goodman and Louis Armstrong on deck after that with Rose Room and La Vian Rose. Little Feats, Texas Rose Cafe before the zombies arose for Emily. But first, Fruit Bats. This is Holy Rose from the Pet Parade record of 2021 on the Morning Midnight Show. Gives you music from all decades and genres. The Heart of the East End on WLIWFM. News you can trust. Music you love. I heard it's getting worse. So you can always come back home Back home we still get snow sometimes But I know you've got a love out there So you should tend to them and hope they tend to you Love is something that needs tending
dancing old me fans the magic spell you kiss this is love the when you kiss me heaven sighs and though i close my eyes i see love and when you press me to your heart and in a world apart a world where roses bloom and when you speak angels sing from above every day void seems to turn into love song give your heart and soul to me and life will always bleed love Lots of music this hour. Satchmo to Little Feet. You get a little bit of it all. Here on The Heart. Morning and Midnight Show recorded live. From the heart of the East End. The WLIWFM studio in Southampton, New York. I'm taking you with me to the Texas
Okay, so I don't know if we're going to get Courtney on with us ahead of our cutoff time at 9.58 going to into the NPR news break. Uh, so I just wanted to uh, let folks know they can go to Heckshire.org for more information about her and her exhibition. It closes on the 10th. She does have sculpture up uh, in um, – where? Which, which one is it? Let me just be – correct about all of this stuff. Okay, the taxes field um, through the Planting Fields Foundation at their Oyster Bay location through this upcoming summer. So we'll have her on one of these mornings, excuse me, to talk about that as well as her uh, first solo museum retrospective. I just want to see, make sure. Uh, are Are you there, Courtney? All right, she's not on with us yet, so we will have her on. Um, let's see. That was uh, the zombies, right? We got Waylon Jennings on deck. 
and maybe a little bit of seal to lead you into the NPR news break. At the top of the hour, I'm Gianna Volpe, and you, whoever you are out there, you're awesome and you're listening to a practice uh, run for the all-music Rose edition of The Heart. If there is a Rose track you love, let us know about it. Leave us a voicemail at 631-591-7006. We'll be back. was a flower for the taking her beauty cut ah good news sorry Waylon. uh that was rose in paradise from the hanging tough record but we're going to use all the minutes we have till we get cut off to talk with courtney leonard good morning courtney good morning thank you for being with us you know you have your first um solo retrospective on display at the hexer museum of art through the 10th, very grateful to have you on as we head into a month dedicated to celebrating the heritage of Indigenous people, though we like to say every day is a good day to learn more about those with whom we share this world. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So to begin, I know that your exhibition has been concurrently displayed with uh, one by Planting Fields Foundation at their Oyster Bay location, and you're their 2023 Catalyst artist, can you tell us more about your installation at the uh, Taxus Field, which folks can see through this summer? Uh, yes, uh, the work is called um, Breach Logbook Root. I was thinking about uh, my community, uh, Shinnecock, on the east end of Long Island, and also other indigenous nations on Long Island and elsewhere throughout the world, uh, have a relationship to uh, storing food that is uh, relative to natural ways of food storage. Uh, and some people may be familiar with the word of a root cellar. Uh, right. So we used to uh, store our food in root cellars um, going with the seasons. Uh, as we head into winter, that would be a part of a good uh, storage for the season. And then um, my thoughts and my work often relate to the imposition of uh, of another nation in terms of the U- U.S. government or colonists uh, coming into our territories and imposing. So that's a part of the definition of breach is a breach is an imposition of law, and uh, and so the imposition that occurred with our food relationships was that um, there were laws that the town of Southampton had placed uh, where we weren't allowed to park our canoes along Canoe Place. Uh, we weren't allowed to have our root cellars because huh? when the cattle were roaming on Long Island, uh, the cattle would fall into our root cellars, and then we were obligated to pay back the cow. And if we didn't pay back the cow, they would take land in kind. Uh, so uh, the root is thinking about the root cellar, but the root is also thinking about the root cause of imposition uh, in terms of uh, the centuries that we've been dealing with the Shinnecock people um and it also has a deeper relationship to our connection uh to the whale uh the the root cellar is kind of uh the embodiment of a whale buried into the ground and earth uh at planting fields and uh so that in and of itself was a bit of an imposition on the land uh but the root cellar container is actually a shipping container so it's meant to look like uh, the body of a whale buried into the earth. Uh, the shipping container is relative to 
the fact that the majority of whales that are killed um, per year, especially when we're looking at the issue of northern um, North Atlantic right whales uh, that are um, having uh, been on the endangered species list for quite some time. Uh, the majority of what happens to our whales as they're passing by Long Island is they're being struck by shipping boats. And Courtney, so the whales... I, 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 yes. don't, I, I, I don't mean to step on you. We're about to get cut off in like 10 seconds. Will you, sure, please, no come, will you please come on? You'll, you'll come on with us in the future. Stay on the line. I'm going to talk to you more. We're going into NPR news break at Heckshire.org for more. With Long Island Local News on Thursday, November 2nd, 2023, I'm Jenna Volpe on WLIWFM. Uber and Lyft have agreed to pay New York drivers a $328 million settlement after the New York State Attorney General investigated a wage theft complaint, charging that the companies collected certain taxes and fees from drivers rather than passengers. And a lay in the New York Times reporting that Uber will pay $290 million and Lyft will pay uh, $38 million into two funds that will pay out claims that roughly 100,000 current and former drivers in New York State are eligible to file. The ride-hailing companies did not admit fault in the settlement. The investigation by the Office of the Eternal, uh, the Attorney General Letitia James also looked into whether the companies failed to provide drivers with paid sick leave available to employees in the state. Under the settlement, drivers will earn one hour of sick pay for every 30 hours worked, up to a maximum of 56 hours per year. Uber and Lyft will also make updates to their apps to allow drivers to request sick leave through the apps. Drivers outside New York City will also be entitled to guaranteed minimum pay of $26 Per hour, though that figure only counts the time between dispatch and completion of a ride. Drivers within the city already receive minimum driver pay under regulations established by the Taxi and Limousine Commission in 2019. In other news, even as offshore construction for its first wind farm in federal waters got underway yesterday, Energy giant Orsted announced a major retrenchment of its U.S. wind energy ambitions by nixing two projects planned for the New Jersey coast while continuing to assess the viability for another large project slated for Long Island. Mark Harrington reporting on Newsday.com that Orsted said impairment charges, reductions in the value of assets related to discontinuing the New Jersey projects and other costs could amount to more than $5 billion dollars. The news sent the Denmark-based company's stock price plunging for the second time this year. Most of the charges related uh, to discontinuing the two projects for New Jersey, known as Ocean 1 and 2. Orsted and, uh, announced as well on Wednesday that a vessel was in place to begin offshore construction of its 130-megawatt South Fork wind farm in the waters off Rhode Island and Massachusetts, while a barge containing the first offshore components for the 12-turbine array had set sail from New London, Connecticut, Tuesday night. Energy from South Fork Wind, enough to power some 70,000 homes, is slated to reach the Long Island Power Authority by year's end or early next year. LIPO will pay an average of around $0.22 a kilowatt hour for energy from South Fork over its 25-year life, Newsday has reported. Orsted has not asked for an adjustment to South Fork's LIPA-contracted price for power, but it has made such a request for Sunrise Wind, a 924-megawatt project 
slated to be located in the same waters that will make landfall at Smith Point here in Suffolk County. New York State last month rejected a request to allow Orsted and other developers to reopen their previously awarded contracts to adjust for higher costs and interest rates. The state has indicated it could allow companies to rebid on the projects. And finally, Election Day is next Tuesday, November 7th, but early voting is available now through this coming Sunday. It's a great thing if you've never done it before. Registered voters here in the county can vote at any one of the 27 polling places in the county through November 5th. If you've got a busy schedule and you happen to be one place rather than another and not near your hometown polling place through the 5th, uh, they are open today and tomorrow from noon to 8 p.m. This Saturday and Sunday, polls are open from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. No polls open on Monday, November 6th, but of course, Tuesday, November 7th is Election Day. Voters can only vote at their regular hometown polling site on that day from 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. You can look up your polling site and make sure you're registered to vote at vote411.org. And if you're unable to vote in person, you can still request a ballot in person. It's a little wackadoo, and that's all right. At the Suffolk County Board of Elections at 700 Yapank Avenue in Yapank through November 6th. It's not really. It's just because it's too late to get it to you through the mail. Reading the weather in Quag in honor of our guest this hour, Andrew Botsford, Director uh, George Lozitas. I got it. And Roger Morley, the current president of the Hampton Theater Company and the producer on Rosen Walsh which has been kicking off the 39th season at Hampton Theatre Company. Uh, we'll be talking more about that romantic comedy by Neil Simon and uh, very, very shortly here because we've got the whole group here in the studio with us already looking like a sunny Thursday in Quag this Thursday morning with a high near 46 degrees, west wind 7 to 9 miles per hour. Tonight, mostly clear with a low around 43 degrees, West wind 6 to 8 miles per hour. Right now it's 37 degrees. Another uh, just moment of, <laughs> I really wish we we could have gotten Courtney a little earlier this morning, but Courtney Leonard will be back on with us uh, on a very, uh, soon. We're going to have her back soon. If not next week. Oh, no, I already made a date with her. I'll let you know. It's the 17th of November at 1025 uh, to find out more about her work um, and uh, a, a host of other things, especially amidst uh, Indigenous Heritage Month. Miss Courtney Leonard will be back with us on the 17th of November. And, hey, let's get our Hot Sights and Sounds segment rolling, underwritten by William Riss Gallery. We've got Mr. Lozitas, Mr. Botsford, and Mr. Morley, right here in the WLIWFM studio. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for having us. Hey, so Rosen Walsh, that we we should start by talking about Neil Simon. I mean, uh, this is from late in his career, a lauded one for sure. He was a Pulitzer, three-time Tony Award winner, not to mention a Kennedy Center uh, honoree. Uh, can you talk about the choice, uh, why you decided to go with Rose and Walsh to open this season at the theater? Well, for one thing, it was his last play that it he It was wrote. his last one. Yes. 
Um, <clears throat> and play makes references to Bridgehampton, Quag, oh, yeah, Montauk set, Highway. It's set right out here, right? Yes. So this is a love story between two writers. Gotta love it. How was it playing? Uh, you you play Walsh, right? Andrew? I play Walsh, um, and uh, the the characters Rose and Walsh are loosely based on two real literary figures, literary icons. Lillian Hellman is the basis for the character of Rose Steiner, and Walsh McLaren is based on uh, Dashiell Hammett, and the two of them did have a longtime love affair. Out here? I don't think it was out here, oh. but they did have a long-time love affair. That's and okay. he set Beautiful these, place these fictional characters that are based on those two um, in in Bridgehampton. And uh, a writer that they uh, they get in touch with uh, is from Quag. And so that goes over very well with local audiences. They, they like to hear about that stuff. So did Neil, I, I imagine Neil came out here then, or unless he had he a did, home? I think he did have a summer residence okay. out here. Very cool. I love this. Yeah, there's some, there's some in jokes about uh, living north of the highway or north of the railroad tracks and right. uh, and how that goes and this reference to the cemetery in East Hampton and other things but under under other names. So what when is this set? 1984. Oh, okay. Pre cell phones, pre internet, oh, but not that far in the past. No, not that far in the past. I mean, to some of us, exactly. Yes. To others, it was written it's... in 2000. And... Three, I think, or two. Manhattan Theater Club did it in New York. Um, and it's interesting to me that it was his last uh, play because he lingered. Uh, he died in, I think, 2018. So that's a long period between this play and his death. To uh, not be writing. So, you know, it makes you think, well, you know, maybe he was not well. I know he'd had some health issues even back then. And he just, uh, this this deals with certain issues of mortality, I think, in a way that maybe some of his other lighter comedies don't don't and uh, and so it really kind of gives you insights into where his head was at at the time. So right, because there are there are certain like end of life and uh, other other issues having to do with like what financial security for yeah, sure correct. Correct. exactly yeah. uh, aging out aging out is is uh, is is in play for writers. What's that like for writers to age out? Um, and financial security, certainly. Uh, oh, what is that like for writers? Because my, my plan was always, <laughs> you know, as a writer, you know, wanting to write books, but thinking, well, gee, uh, maybe I should do things like tend bar, get get the most out of my body while I can, and save that for a later date. Are, right. are, are you guys trying to say that maybe that's not such a good plan? <laughs> Hard to what say. These are people that that have been writing their whole lives. Mm -hmm. So they and they did other things too. I mean, there's references to what he did, and she was uh, Lillian Hellman, as in this, and this character sort of is based on her. Um, she had quite a career, and right, she, she was, was an icon. called and she was called before the uh, House on American Activities Committee oh, uh, during wow. the time when everybody was informing on their friends or not informing on their friends and being blacklisted. Whoa. So she comes from that whole era. And in 1984, that kind of character is is aging out now. Now they've gotten older. So um, what do, what becomes their careers? Now, people like you and me that say, well, we'll write the book after we've done the rest of our lives. Right. right? <laughs> so maybe you don't want to wait too long. <laughs> oh, all right. I'm glad to. I'm, I'm learning things. I'm learning things already. So what is this? So Walsh has a plan, right? Are we able to talk about that or does it does it give it too much away? 
Um, well, he has a plan for Rose's security in the future. That's all. That's about it. Now, this all sounds very serious, but the play is actually a, a romantic funny, right? comedy. Yeah. And there's a lot of humor in it. There's a lot of poignancy, but there's a lot of laughs. I we mean, love well, that. And, and Neil Simon, um, a lot of his comedy comes from the way that people banter with each other. Yeah. You know, if you have Odd Couple, you have Felix and Oscar. Right. They're, they're completely opposite people, but there's a ton of humor in the way they get along with each other. And there's lo there's love underneath it, but they badger each other all the time and have a tough time with each other. Rose and Walsh are no different from that. Um, and then they have, um, there's younger people in the play, two younger people in the play, and uh, how and, they're and treated. And they're going to be, and the people that you chose for those roles, is this going to be their premieres? Is that right? Premiere for the HTC, the Hampton yes. Theater Company. Yes. Okay. Do you want to talk a bit about who you chose for those roles? Um, we... We had auditions, and okay. we saw quite a few people, and we decided on uh, Elena Manzo to play Arlene, uh, Rose's, um, let's say, assistant and good friend. Got it. Um, and we cast uh, Alexander Massad, actually came up from Florida. Nice. Uh, to audition, decided to, I think he was deciding to relocate, but anyway, he uh, made the audition call. We liked him. Uh, we cast him. And um, been, it's been working out very nicely. Out of the umpteenth people moving from New York to Florida, we get one to come <laughs> yeah. north Go figure. to us. And, and then, then, you know, you we mentioned, oh, yeah, the 80s weren't that long ago. For some of us, for others, uh, they refer to the 80s as the late 1900s, which, which yeah. stings a little bit. Yeah, we, we had to explain a couple of references. To oh, that. I love this. So this was yeah. intergenerationally um, educational. Absolutely. We'll say. There's, uh, there's, one, there's more than one scene in which um, a landline figures prominently. Oh, I love and it. So Elena Manzo didn't know what it was to leave a message on a voice machine. Yes. Because all she knows is voicemail. Yeah, we said, and she never uses it because she uses text. We talked so. about like some people. Sometimes people will call in and say, "What was that song that you played at nine oh six? There's a, there's an app called Shazam, <laughs> where you, if you're listening to the radio, you can uh, press a button. It'll listen to what you're listening to and tell you what song it is. And I said, "Oh man, they must have been calling from their rotary phone on the hutch." <laughs> Yeah. Attached to the kitchen wall. She actually didn't know how to hold, oh, the, hold the phone. She had the phone. She said, well, I've never held a phone like this oh, before. Oh, this is which I would, fascinating. Is so that must have been very fun for you guys. Oh, yeah. You're and, like, and I remember wait until back you in the day. find out about the fax machine, you said. Oh, right? oh. Back in the day, before, before any of this happened, we would have talked to people about acting on stage with a handheld device and say get it underneath your chin don't put it in front of your mouth because that won't that'll muffle your words yeah. to the audience so you have to hold it down here well she didn't know how to hold it in her hand at all let alone below her chin She's like can someone <laughs> please help then, me out here and then at one point 
she's on the phone and she's trying to say something that she doesn't want the other person to hear. It didn't occur to her that she'd have to cover the mouthpiece, right. you know, like we did in the day. Wow. So, yeah, all instructions I love on that. it. Yeah. All right. So, so on, on November's show, so November 3rd, Friday, there's going to be a talk back right after the show. How was the first one? Like what did, what did people want to know or talk about? Well, surprisingly, they did not want to know how the actors remember all those lines which is usually a typical question. We were so happy about that. Um, they asked actually about the process. You know, how do the actors and the directors follow a particular process? And um, What do you mean? How do you go about rehearsing? Okay. Where do you start? Where do you go from there? So, so tell us. Also, they wanted to know, um, so you have this play, and is it the director's vision? Right. Is it, is it, is it the director looks at the script and then gives that vision to the actors? Do you work it out together? Is there input from the actors into how the characters react to each other and relate to each other? Or is it all from the director? There were really a lot of intelligent questions about that. And, and, and every about production the has to be completely different right yeah and then and so we talked about how it's worked out with the directors giving his george breaking things down into beats and having ideas about how the characters arcs are and then the characters as they interact with each other develop layers on top of that and so forth and then it of course it changes 100 percent, not 100 percent, but a lot every night in front of an audience because the energy is different and that informs the way the actors relate to each other and to the audience. Right, I'm gonna, I'm so, gonna... but they were in, they were interested in a lot of that. I, I got, and I got there's one... a lot of output from the actors, a lot of input from the actors, and you know we, it, it is a collaboration. It really is. And and some of it's just like it. Uh, so many things, so many factors are coming together. Andrew, for you, which show thus far was the most fun performance? Uh... Where you really felt. Like totally in it. it. It's weird. That's it's a it's an interesting question. Um, the the opening night was not so much, but that the opening night is always a little hey, bit rocky. It, you know, I always say when I'm bowling, first game. <laughs> you know, the first game is never the one. It's usually well, three and in, or so. in in New York and in a lot of other places, they have previews in front of an audience, and then the director is still directing them through that process because it changes oh that's cool and but we don't get to do any performances in front of an audience until we're actually opening so it's a little bit rocky but i I was going to say that friday night of the first weekend i felt really good i felt great um but then the night after that we had a very responsive house they were with us from the first second they were just laughing at everything they were sobbing at different things they were just they were with us 100 percent, and you could feel that energy that's got to feel good so going that home. felt really good you know no in in the moment in real time oh, like, that's just amazing that's the that's what you that's what you do it for really is to get that energy going and uh, everything seemed to click then and and it grows yeah. you know as you do it it grows so i, mean, I still take uh, some notes <laughs> about the performances you know minor things i'm at, at this point, I get very picky, okay? Um, sometimes we don't get a laugh the way I think the laugh should happen. So I'll tell um, Andrew or Rosemary, why don't you tweak this a little bit, okay? And they'll say how, and I'll say, I don't know, surprise me. Or, you know, I'll give them, it's just, yeah. again, An we artist don't have artist who trusts his artists. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot this. of trust involved. Well, so, uh, and, Miss, and Mr. Morley, I wanted to ask you about Don and Judy Groon. 
Oh, because well. this this uh, performance is dedicated to them, longtime friends, the whole season, and support. Oh, the whole season, the whole yes. season. Yes, they've been friends of from Quag of Quag of this theater for many many years. Um, they're remarkable human beings, uh, friends of ours. We love them. They sit in the same two seats every opening night oh. in the very very front row. They would get very angry if, if, if they weren't there, but in, in a nice way, of course. And um, Andrew, uh, I think it was your and Rosemary's idea, Rosemary being one of the other actors yes, and, and a board Klein. member, um, it was their idea to, uh, to put them as a dedication on our banner up on the theater and to honor them uh, nightly by, by uh, you know, in the curtain speech that George does. Um, and they're just they're wonderful patrons and friends and New York Giants fans. <laughs> go Giants. Let's go Giants. Same right here. We had a hard time last week. That's all I can say. <laughs> but as they... I'm the only non-actor here, uh, both George and Wait, George, Andrew. You're... He is an actor as well, although he's not in this. He's in a director and actor. Okay. Yeah, and it's and, and but I have done rehearsal stage managing for George on two shows. And with Andrew and one, I think, and uh, producing, co-directing. Um, and I'm always amazed at, at the transition from day one when everybody's reading the script and haven't memorized their lines to opening night when they've got it. I think it's a remarkable thing that actors have that talent to do and to see it develop over the course of the four weeks that we're in rehearsal or five weeks um, it's it's a wonderful experience to go through, and George and Andrew, is, who's also a director, they do great job. Yes, um, right. Uh, well, and getting and that out of the actors in terms of mutual admiration society here, uh, you also you have to you can't downplay the role of a producer in a situation like this, right. because yes, we have uh, George designed the set for this one. Um, as well as directing it, um, and he, again, it's a collaboration with our uh, in, in in-house uh, designer builders, uh, Ricky Botinas and Meg Sexton. Um, but all the aspects, the things that we have to get for the set, the things that we have to do for the publicity right. for the set, for it, it's just every every other thing that has to happen to make it come together. The producer has to work with both of us, uh, well, with the director and with you everybody absolutely else, absolutely need that and make person. it come together. Yeah. And uh, in this case, uh, Roger, at the very last minute, there was things that that couldn't be finished on the set. And our lighting designer, Sebastian Pazinski, who's a, a miracle worker, uh, he's the technical director at John Drew Theater in Guildhall, but he's been with us for many years as our lighting designer. And he had certain aspects of the set that he wanted to, to take care of and the way that it looked from the house. And most people wouldn't even notice it, but he saw that and he told Roger. And Roger spent about 12 hours nice. over a couple of days getting stuff up backstage, just hanging up pieces of material and so forth to close it in to make the lighting effects work so much better. And it's all those different pieces that come together to make it work. Uh, it's kind of a kind of a, a joint effort right. that we all have to do together. And with any one of those pieces missing, it's not the same thing. Well, so that's, that's amazing to hear, especially mm -hmm. considering the fact that you're the president. How long have you been well, the president at HTC? I've been president for about, I don't know, 18, 17, 16 months. But I was been on the board for maybe three or four years. Andrew was longtime president. Um, and uh, I... I'm honored to have have been elevated, so to speak, to the role. But, uh, but Andrew, to be blunt, is still very, very much uh, top dog in my opinion. He and he and George 
and Rosemary have been here a lot longer than I have, and I defer to them whenever I, whenever I can. <laughs> Are they try? Have they been trying to get you to take a role in some way, in some production you over mean the years? An acting role? Yeah. Well, it, we were just talking about that like, on the way over because I'm just... I I can do radio, um, and do we're great. doing a. a, a a Christmas Carol in in oh, nice. in December Fantastic. as a radio reading, nice. live radio reading, where people go to the theater and watch us read as if we are back Doing in the thirties or forties. Right. And I I think I'm I have a role in that. <gasps> well, I mean I have your debut. No, is no, no, no. I did it last, last year, year too. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, and I'm more right. like the the announce. I'm like you. I'm okay. the announcer. Like, ladies and gentlemen, oh, you know, yeah. welcome to QRP in Cincinnati. I don't know. Um, <laughs> and so we're gonna uh, slight rehearsals for that one. A lot of fun with with, uh, and we we look forward to having anybody that's out in Quag during that time uh, to to come see us. I think it's the 15th, 16th, and 17th. That's some, right. Somewhere around that's exactly those dates it. of December. Yeah. Um, and it's a lot of fun. A lot and of George. People. George yeah. is our longtime uh, sound effects man. Yeah. Nice. When we do radio plays, and he he made for uh, it's a wonderful life. He made a wonderful wind machine. So, and you've got to, Marley's to, chains. To, 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 to... Yeah, well, we'll have Marley's chains this time. <laughs> but we had a wind machine for the village of what Bedford Falls is it? Yeah. Yeah, for false, yeah. And wonderful. It's a little yeah. hand a crank life. wind machine that had brushes going against a piece of material, and it was magnificent. So the problem is how, to, how to store the damn thing after it's, a, it's this yeah. big thing that he created. We can't throw it out. So yeah, yeah. Uh, Look for more wind in the future. Not not feeling bad for all the the folks who purchased a twelve foot skeleton for this Halloween season. <laughs> have fun putting yeah, that right. in your attic or Where your shed. Well, we do have a storage unit. It's not all that big, and my wife is always very very happy when these shows. I'm asked to wrangle props and i say i think i have something in my basement because she said okay you let him have it but i never want to see it again <laughs> so so we got so a lot of this props that are up on the stage now that came from my house uh i'm okay I'm, wait wait I'm not wait my sofa from my den is on stage okay i'm, yeah. I'm sitting on the floor watching television <laughs> Oh, so that At is home. coming home. That's oh, absolutely. Home. Yes. That's coming home. Well, yes. you, you couldn't find what you wanted. I could. Not I found find a very nice couch for you. And my wife said, "Take the sofa." I said, no, "I don't want." She said, "Take the sofa," unless she's like, you know, maybe it's time <laughs> for a new sofa. <laughs> no, actually, no, we're that's gonna bring it back. Four years old. So, yeah. oh, what, so what? What does your sofa look like? It it had to be a certain uh, length. It couldn't be more than. Like sixty five inches. Is it like between a love seat and a yes. full blown? Correct. Yeah. See, you get the picture. I'm, I'm right yeah. there with you. Yeah. And we I'm sometimes go to we go to eye. places like Privet in in Riverhead to 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 try to find stuff that they can loan us for the for What's the production. What's Privet? Privet is a consignment uh, uh, warehouse, like, and they also do a lot they of estate, estate, estate that like, sales. That's not. That's not like in that place that's right on down in on Main Street. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that used and to done, be. And they a... do estate sales out here in in Southampton and East Hampton and Motor Mill. I haven't gone there since it became Privet. Yeah. It was something else a few years ago, and it was really cool. Yeah, it's spot. great. It's got really good. I gotta stuff. go in there. Yeah, you do. You see, Privet, we're giving you a nice plug here. Well, you know, I was I was just saying this to a friend, a friend from Los Angeles who is doing collaging with old photographs, and was like, you know, I feel feel like you could you have a lot of cool thrift shops and and um, flea markets out there. I said, you know, honestly, where 
as a, a longtime garage sailor, thrifter, whatever, I said, this is not the best area for that. I said, either you go to a garage sale or otherwise a lot of it is people who pick through garage sales find the good stuff and then sell it to you at a premium. <laughs> I said, that's what we have out here. I said, but this is an excellent place to garbage pick because people have so much money that they're throwing away stuff that, I mean, I got a wheelbarrow this past week. I used to drive around with my pickup looking for furniture for shows Oh yeah, from the side of the road. I I mean, George has got a great eye for that. And speaking of photographs, I mean, we don't have to go very far to find old photographs (laughs) between the three of us. All we got to do is look in our boxes and stuff. (laughs) And and we've had several shows that need those those personal photographs, and they're almost always of old uh, relatives that we have. George does an amazing job in, in putting things on the walls. Set dressing. Talk about yeah. intergenerational stuff. Kids these days don't really have a lot of physical photographs. Not a lot of, not a lot of prints anymore. Right? Well, they haven't been to my house. <laughs> <laughs> so. Hey, guys, go see Rose and Walsh. How many shows we got left? We got You have one tonight? Five. Yes, we have five, five shows tonight. Oh, we have five shows five left. Five shows. One tonight? Seven tonight, seven tomorrow, with a talk back after. Right. Then two shows on Saturday, one at 2.30, one at 8. And then the last show is at 2.30 on Sunday. Sunday matinee. And All there's right. still some tickets available, I think. HamptonTheatre.org. T-H-E-A-T-R-E. HamptonTheatre.org. Or call 631-653-8955 to get your tickets for Rose and Walsh. I'm Gianna Volpe. That was Mr. Lozitas, Mr. Botsford, and Mr. Morley, more specifically. <laughs> I love it. George Lozitas. Andrew Botsford, and Roger Morley. I'm Gianna Volpe. (laughs) This was the Hot Signs and Sights and Sounds segment underwritten by uh, William Riss Gallery. Mm -hmm. This is Poco, and you, whoever you are out there, you are awesome. And you're listening to Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM. News you can trust, music you love.
Our very own Judy Carmichael, ladies and gentlemen, covering this Fats Waller tune. 
It's Moly, by the way. It's not Morley. Roger Moly. I'm a goose. Right here on WLIWFM. I'm flying a little bit here. I'm going to fly past the Yardbirds and Aretha Franklin. No, how can I do it? I can't. <laughs> Here's the Yardbirds. Only the Black Rose. And WLIWFM. I 
hush my voice, lest they should hear. My prayers go up to the sky, deep within me I die. I'll never cry, no one must see me this way. Left, left to find someone kind who won't leave me behind, who will guide me when I am blind, soothe my brow. When thoughts hurt my brain, help me laugh. When faced with pain, I long to find someone who will remind me of you. Only the black rose knows what I Secret tracks Elizabeth and the Catapult, John and Fiona Prine, and Lynn Anderson. You can find on the archive of today's show on WLIW.org slash radio. We'll be leading you into the NPR news break with a track from Rocky Horror Picture Show and Alice in Wonderland after this. I realize that you've been hurt. The Queen of Soul. Because I've been there. But regardless to who, what, why, when, and where, we're all precious in his sight. And a rose is still and always will be a rose.
If you have a track with Rose in the title that you love, let us know about it. Leave us a voicemail at 631-591-7006. Thank you for being with us this and every morning. Also, thank you to Courtney Leonard, Andrew Botsford, George Lozitas, Roger Moley, as well as our underwriter, William Risk Gallery, and listeners just like you. Fact 
business, we planted the white roses by mistake. And the queen, she likes some bread. If she's so white instead, she'd raise a fuss. And each of us would quickly lose his head. Goodness. Since this is a thought we dread, we painted the roses red. Oh, dear. Then let me help you. Painting the roses red. We're painting the roses red. Go tell the queen what you have seen or say. That's what we said. But we're painting the roses red. Yes, painting the roses red. Not pink. Not green. Not aquamarine. We're painting the roses red.